Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Well, hey Blake, welcome to the show. Hey man, how are you? I'm so glad to be here. I am doing well. You know, I, I felt like I was going to tell you this before the show started, but I was like, you know what? I'll wait till the show. Today's show is brought to you by Bastard Cat Cultion IPA. It is five o'clock somewhere. I'm Cheers. frankly offended that, uh, that you're drinking alone. You didn't tell me. I, I could have come prepared. I'm not drinking Damn. alone. You're right here with me. <laughs> wow. Why did I didn't get to. I didn't get the uh, heads up on bringing my own beer. It's true. It's true. Every show is BYOB. Um, I just. I've never announced that before. But just today, you know, it felt like a Monday. Yeah. So I was like, "Well, Fridays feel better. Let's make it feel like a Friday." Well, anyway, um, I'm excited to do the show here for you. Uh, before we go too far, uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Start off with who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Blake Miller. I'm the founder and CEO of Homebase, uh, as well as the host of the Future of Living podcast. Um, at Homebase, we work with apartment owners to make uh, apartment buildings smart. Um, and that means a lot of different things. Uh, but ultimately, we're, we're building um, the, the first steps towards an autonomous building that kind of just works for everybody. And it makes a much happier resident experience, but also helps make the property owners generate new revenue. Um, as well as save uh, a lot of different, uh, a lot, save a lot of money on a lot of different things, whether it's utilities, efficiencies, and you know across the board. All right, we we are gonna get into home base because that is the purpose of this interview. But before I go any further, uh, can you tell people a little bit about your podcast? Because I want to make sure other people know that there's there are a few podcasts in the space of real estate that get outside of you know just all the how to buy a home with no money down. Uh, you know, standard stuff. Uh, what's your podcast all about and, uh, and what's it called and how do people find it? Yeah, totally. So uh, it's called The Future of Living. Um, you can find it at uh, futurelivingpodcast.com. Um, but also it's yeah, just search Future of Living on you know, Spotify, Apple, you know, we're everywhere. Um, really, we got it started uh, back about a year, about a year ago. And uh, you know, as we've been building Homebase, we've we, we just get to talk to so many smart people, people that are building, literally building the future, um, whether it's uh, technology, you know, whether it's all of the, the folks that are in kind of our technology ecosystem, uh, part of our, our IoT platform. Um, you know, so we've had uh, folks from Allegiant and Honeywell and Residio now, um, you know, Rob Martins from, from Legion and, and Scott Harkins from Honeywell, but it, folks that are building the future, but also, you know, a lot of different folks that are either in, um, smart cities, uh, government policy, um, regulations, things like that. And then, you know, also a lot of real estate developers and all of these folks are building the future in a lot of different ways. Um, all of it is going to equal, you know, how are we going to live in the future? And so that's why we started the podcast. I wanted to start having these conversations really to see how other people were viewing the future, coming at it from all these different lenses, especially as, you know, technology is really starting to hit real estate. And that was really kind of the genesis. And I've been fortunate enough, we've been fortunate enough to have some incredibly smart people um, that are from all different walks of life all over the country and, and frankly, the world that are literally building the future of living. Yeah. And for people who, uh, you know, are just listening in and can't see, uh, right behind Blake is one of those smart light bulbs that has, uh, one <laughs> of the, you, the blue hues to it. Uh, can you, yeah. you that one of those that you can make change colors based on like, yeah, certain- <laughs> I was looking down. I'm just going to change it for it's changing you. the color yeah. right now from your phone. There we go. Yeah. From my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there, there we go. Um, okay, I got to put those in my tenant's house and just play some, play some jokes on them or something, maybe. Totally um, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't advocate for that. Okay, so, mm-hmm. so home base. Talk to me about home base. What is the, what's the real big problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, so you know the big problem that we're trying to solve is really kind of a new problem for for everybody. There's technology, um, the smart home, the smart building, all of these different things. Um, but there's really not, uh, or things that are connected to the internet, the internet of things, right? Um, and property owners especially want to be able to take advantage of these, whether it's uh, from the amenity perspective, 
making sure that you know things are uh, smart, cutting edge. It's a great amenity for all these different things. But also, there's a lot of folks that want to take advantage of it just from the operational management side of this. Utility saves, operational, um, workflow automation, all of these different things. Um, and the Internet of Things is here. Uh, but the thing is, is they're not all connected. Um, and so it takes a platform like ours uh, to kind of pull all these things together and make them work together. Um, you know, if, if, a, if a refrigerator uh, request, uh, needs to create its own maintenance ticket, you know, uh, if it has a problem, uh, well, how does it communicate with the, then to the lock to make sure that the uh, refrigerator repairman can get in to service that without having the maintenance guy in the loop or anything like that? Um, that's a future that we want to be able to create and we are creating. But today with all of the smart stuff, it's really hard to make that happen. And so that's why uh, we exist um, to kind of make an operating system for the building and make all these things work together. Yeah. Oh man, I could think of so many applications for this. Like, oh, there's got to be a way to like, we got to get like the pot roast from the fridge to the, the crock pot at just like 10 a.m. and start the timer and like, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but you know, it's so interesting. So you, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You talk about the amenities and why this is important and, and it's in demand. And I shared with you before the show that I, I literally personally just went through this in shopping real estate in Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. For those who don't know or haven't caught up, I'm moving to Chicago for a new role with Avail. And, um, which is really awesome. Big, big time. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped on it. And, um, Ryan and team over there is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, actually our number one listen to episode is with Ryan Kuhn. So, uh, (laughs) as he's going to be a guest on the future of living, you're going to have a new number one episode probably. (laughs) Can't wait. <laughs> but you know, like when I was shopping for an apartment in Chicago, you know, we started by using all the online marketplaces and websites and that was okay. But it was actually like, it, there was a, a few challenges and maybe you can address this and, and probably you, you've thought of this is like one thing was we were noticing that some apartments that were a little outside of the range we wanted to be in also included a lot of the amenities and they started making the difference for us. So like, you know, how are you maybe tackling that challenge as, you know, as apartment buildings, if they start including all these amenities, they have to charge more, right? Um, you know, in some cases, right? Uh, but also some of this is becoming table stakes in, in different tiers of, of the market. But one thing I'll say, and, and I'll back up a little bit, you, what we were talking about is Wi-Fi being included in the building. All right. That's a really awesome amenity. And that's something that, you know, even taking a step back of what we do at home base, one of the first things we do in a building to make it smart is we, we deploy infrastructure. And that infrastructure is a building-wide Wi-Fi infrastructure. Um, and that comes in a lot of different ways these days. You know, a lot of the major internet service providers are, are providing like bulk internet or they'll come in and they'll cut a deal with the building or the property manager and the property manager will get a small commission or whatever. Right. Um, but we needed that infrastructure to be able to connect all of the different things. Um, you know, we didn't want to go down the route with uh, some of our competitors have done where they put a cellular gateway in and that gateway uh, is cellular based when the unit's vacant, but it has to be on top of the residence Wi-Fi um, when it's occupied. Um, and that still gives the property owner some sort of control. And we think that's just a kind of a weird value prop there. Mm. Um, that and a, and a number of other reasons, we, we really went back to these buildings need infrastructure. Once you put this kind of infrastructure in, you know, whether you start with smart locks and smart wipe, uh, uh, thermostats and light switches in, in the unit, what happens year down the road or down the road once you've recognized some ROI or some brand new smart thing comes out uh, that you want to try to t- take advantage of, how are you going to connect that in the future? Mm-hmm. So making the building smart from the inside out for us was connected infrastructure. Um, and one of the things then we recognized was, you know, a lot of a third of America is cutting the cord. Um, so a lot of people just care about getting internet. You know, I don't need cable. I don't need anything. I just want to be able to uh, get connected. And what is cable? What cable? Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, why can't I just add a much bigger subscription, you know, list to, to my bank account? But, Um, But we recognize that. And so with some of the new um, uh, 
advances in technology, especially around software-defined networking and some of these things, we recognize that not only can help make the building more secure on some of the smart things um, with the way of uh, managing that network, but we could also then open up a new amenity, this Wi-Fi as amenity. You could set up bandwidth tiers so that residents can maybe start on the free community Wi-Fi that's only a couple megabits. And it's kind of like living in a hotel, right? You know, you kind of get, you get enough access to surf the internet, uh, you know, check email, do those things. Um, but if you want uh, to stream or do whatever, you pay slightly more. Um, and if you're a property owner, you put this infrastructure in, this infrastructure is there to power all the smart stuff so you can get all the, the back-end operational efficiencies and, and, and all of that and control those things. But now through the app, residents can actually upgrade and you can generate revenue off of the, uh, you know, off of the rest of that network. Uh, so residents can literally you know, upgrade from their free tier to a 50 megabit or 100 megabit tier uh, all through the app and have it automatically added to their rent bill. Um, and that delta the, the, uh, all goes back to the property owner. Yeah, so it sounds like what you guys are doing is you're you're delivering convenience to the consumer, but you're offering you're also offering some upside to the property owner or property management company by providing opportunities for upsells. Where originally, you know, in most cases, you know, those upsells wouldn't exist for the property manager or, or owners. You're right. You know, today the upsells are, oh, you've got a dog. Great. We'll charge you a little bit extra for the, for dog rent. And, and that's oh, well, let's up. be real. Pet rent is not an upsell. <laughs> I'm losing no. it. Right. I mean, <laughs> totally. And, and that's, but that's just kind of where that is. Right. Um, but you start to look at these other things and, and not only does it help pay for uh, some of these things up, up front. Um, but, you know, we look at it as, is it's, you're already paying the largest share of your wallet every month as a resident to your property right. manager. Um, and as you were saying, kind of when you start pricing in all these amenities out of the gate, you might price some people out that just want to live in that building. Um, but you know, they didn't, whatever filter they had capped out, it's the same price, but everything else was included. Yeah. The ability to be able to capture somebody's share wallet without having to raise your rents because you have smart tech or whatever. Um, that's really where we look at the, the, opportunity for the property owners here. You're capturing your wallet, more of their share of wallet, and you're not having to raise your rents um, to do so, but still providing a much higher level of living. You know, if anyone from Zumper or Apartment List or Zillow is listening to this, what, we're, what, what I need is I need utilities included as like a filter option. I need an, or or maybe estimated yeah. utility costs, and if it's included, that way. Because I'll tell you what, even thinking about it, so the building that we ended up going with was a condo, the the Wi-Fi, and they told us TVs invo- included as well. But I don't, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But it's it's nice, <laughs> it's cool, you know. But I'd rather just the rebate on that one. But you know, with the internet being included, I did the math really quickly. You know, we're moving from an hour and a half north outside of Seattle to downtown Chicago. I knew we were going to be paying more in rent, but it's actually not all that much more. And the internet, you know, that's $100, $110 every month, all day long. It's not a small portion. And so it's a, it's a big thing. That, and that's just one, that's one piece. But so I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to, uh, hone in too much on the Wi-Fi. What are some of the other solutions? Because I know you guys have a, an entire array. You have a full collection. What are some of the other solutions that Homebase provides? Totally. So we are kind of a full platform for building management. So everything from smart access control, you know, being able to both fob into a building, manage access through the other amenity areas like the gym or whatever, mm-hmm. um, video surveillance through building, HVAC systems um, in partnership with like LG. Um, that's throughout the rest of the building. Inside the unit, we do everything from the the partnership with Schlag at uh, the door, so smart smart deadbolt or lock at the mm-hmm. door. Um, that also syncs with the fob, so it's one fob for all your access, right? So whether you're on your phone or via fob, you have multiple ways to access your your unit, your door. Um, and then inside the unit, thermostats, um, smart light switches. We partner with Leviton there. Um, to work on that, uh, smart appliances, um, 
voice control, really anything that can get connected, well, we'll connect with it. We provided an experience for it. So our apps for all the different users of the building, whether it's the property manager, uh, maintenance staff, or the residents, they all have their own apps with uh, different control insight yep. to what's happening with their... And we've built some other ba- basic kind of property management functions into this, uh, really so we can start automating uh, the living experience of the building. So things like paying your rent is built into the home-based platform. Um, things like requesting maintenance for the, by the resident is built into um, that platform. And, and obviously, on the other side of the, the screen, the property manager has their dashboard and kind of control and command center to control and manage all these things. Um, and all of it is so that it ultimately can all tie together. So can I, as I mentioned there, I've got a building that has smart appliances, like we've got uh, a pilot launched here in Kansas City in a senior living community. Um, that smart appliance can detect, uh, you know, refrigerator can detect what's wrong with it. It can create its own maintenance ticket. That maintenance ticket not only alerts the resident and say, hey, there's an issue with your refrigerator, we're going to get it fixed for you. So the resident feels like, wow, that's, that's amazing that somebody just is on it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the property manager can assign it to either the maintenance staff or assign it even to their third-party vendor. Um, and with that ticket is all of the diagnostics data of what's going on. Um, so whether it's, uh, you know, hey, the, the water filter needs changed or, or whatever, we know what it is. And it limits the amount of times that somebody has to go see what's wrong with the refrigerator because the resident just said, hey, there's something wrong with the refrigerator. Right, know, right. But, well, now it just comes with that diagnostics data. We know exactly what to do. The service provider can go to the building and nobody even has to be on site to let them in. They can get secure access into the building. We know that they're, you know, they're a background check service provider so that we know that they're safe to come into the building. When they gain access to the unit, everybody gets notified. The resident gets notified that Joey, the maintenance guy, or Joey, the service provider, is then fixing their refrigerator. Mm-hmm. The manager knows that's getting done and that's all happens automatically. Um, through smart technology. Um, and that's, that's what kind of what we're building through our app. It just makes so much sense. It actually makes me think back to one of the apartments I went to look at. Um, now, I don't, I don't know how this would, you know, automation, you could, you could solve this, but I, I looked at one of the sinks um, in the bathroom and I could mm-hmm. see that the water had been dripping for a long time. Just got a little slow sure. drip. And I said to the property manager, I'm looking out for him. And I said, uh, hey, uh, how long has this, this sink been, been leaking like this? She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, look, you can see the marking of where the water's been dripping for a long time. And while you might not be able to connect that to an app yet, you know, delayed maintenance on anything sure. not reported can cost a lot of extra money that it shouldn't have had to cost. I mean, a water filter, you know, Changing out a water filter, not a big deal. But, you know, anything with a filter, not changing the filter when it's clogged or bad or worn out, that's what can cause additional issues. So something sure. so, so small like that actually can prevent a bigger maintenance issue or repair issue. So I can see that immediately you can probably save yourself, you know, quite a bit of money within the first year just on maintenance tickets and also bigger projects by doing better regular maintenance. Yeah. I mean, so not only, it always depends on what uh, smart technology you put in your unit, you know, you can put in leak detection, things like that, that can help alert. Um, but it does, it, it helps with preventative maintenance scheduling. Um, you know, you get into uh, a lot of places, a lot of apartment buildings, maybe only replace their air filters um, for the uh, HVAC system in every unit once a year, maybe. Well, you know, if you do it every 300 hours or so, you can extend the life of the unit, um, but also you can save almost $100 a a year in um, utilities just by having uh, clean air filters and those sorts of things. So you start to look at the management of the supply chain of actually having to do this across hundreds, if not thousands of units at at a time that you might own. um, And what does it take for a person to order all, all of those things notify the residents that it's going to happen, you know, uh, air filter replacement's going to happen every quarter or whatever it is, schedule mm-hmm. the maintenance guy to get there. That's a whole supply chain issue. If you can just take all of that out and automate it based off of when things need to get done or when the service needs to, to be done just by the, the device, 
um, you can start to save a lot of time, but also then, as you mentioned, the preventative maintenance helps uh, save you a lot of money in the long run. And unfortunately, we don't know how much yet. Uh, but I think if right. if you buy into that smart technology is going to help things be more efficient um, and extend the life of all these things with all the data and the insight that we can get, um, you know, we're going to get there. But that's why we also have come up with ways that you can generate revenue off of this stuff in the meantime yeah. while you're waiting to kind of recognize it, uh, the cost savings. So you really understand where your, your NOI uh, ends up at. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I, I want to shift here and find a little bit more about who's using Homebase. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, for the most part, what we've been talking about is a scenario of an apartment building. Is this mm-hmm. suitable for the, you know, a small-time investor who maybe has two single families or is this primarily staying in the, the larger multifamily? Yeah, so, you know, we have buildings everywhere from about 10 units um, on up to uh, 300 plus. Um, and the model, uh, as it gets into the smaller units, um, in terms of the direct return on investment from being able to like resell Wi-Fi and all those things, um, your ROI there just gets smaller as the buildings get smaller, just because you don't have um, it, you don't have as many units to share some of the uh, right. overhead and the expense of some of these things. Um, but that said, you can absolutely deploy our system and our and our platform in smaller units, especially for folks that own 50 to 100 rental homes across a, a, a city or something that are constantly running around town and, you know, unlocking the door for a maintenance guy or whatever, installing some of the smart locks and some of these other basic things um, definitely becomes a value there. Um, yeah. And so we, we have a lot of interest there. Um, we're working on, on several different things uh, in a much smaller uh, capacity. Um, but today, most of our buildings kind of average the 75 to 150 unit type building. What, what are some of the most, uh, and thanks for clarifying that, what are some of the most common reasons people give you as their reasons to say, you know what, we decided to deploy home base because what is it? Yeah, so it's a couple of things. One, the Wi-Fi is very intriguing. Everybody feels and, and knows that that's a very um, high, uh, high check mark in terms of a residence view of a, of a building, high-speed internet, um, how easy is it to get, all of those different things. So people view, uh, property owners know they view that as an amenity, um, yeah. but they're also recognizing that it sets them up to be able to do all these other smart things. So the combination of that and the combination of our smart um, access control um, has really been the kind of the two things. And you know, the Wi-Fi powers everything. It also helps generate the revenue uh, or new revenue. And pun intended, the locks literally unlock all of the future. Um, so, you know, as we've talked about amenities and all these other things, um, you know, the ability to open up new amenities to your residents through the platform, things like, oh, do you want to order a house cleaner, order a dog walker or anything that mm-hmm. you can pay for through the app, give access to your unit, um, that can all be managed through the app and it can be managed because you have smart locks now. Um, so these kind of uh, home service providers and um, all these different things really lead into, you know, as we said earlier, the future of living. So I want to, for just a hot minute, I'm going to uh, invoke fear to every dog owner listening. There was a story <laughs> recently, and I didn't see it catch a lot of media attention. I found it through a friend on Instagram. There was a couple in New York City, I believe, uh, might have been Brooklyn. They had one of those uh, dog walkers from WAG, the hired yeah. one. Well, then they used a different dog walker. The challenge was they had a lockbox with a key. So a little single key punch code, or they had uh, maybe a keypad on their door, but it wasn't a, a true smart lock. It was just a keypad. Sure. Well, the, 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 the one dog walker who was not scheduled to show up, showed up and stole the dog. Now, thank goodness. Oh, wow. Thank they goodness they had the, cameras. Yeah. yeah, they had cameras in the in the building. They were able to quickly find out who did it and return a dog. But this is one of those scenarios where as we continue to, you know, enable a lot of uh, subcontractor services, you know, cameras are, are great because they, they see, but the, the true smart locks, and this is something that is, is I'm, I'm finally getting it, truthfully. I have to self-admit here. I finally get it. The one-time access code. 
is a big deal because you can't copy the key, you can't copy the code, you know, and if it's auto-generated, it's far safer than any combination I could come up with each and every time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a really unique, uh, obviously that's a unique scenario, but that's a worst case scenario, you know? And so something like well, what you're talking about here, you, you, this prevents that from being able to happen, so to speak. Well, we try to go actually slightly step further. You know, our locks are, are, are all Bluetooth um, and they don't have pin codes on them as the, the Schlage control mm. uh, engage locks that we, that we have, have uh, started working with. Um, and because we've seen and, and we've heard the horror stories of folks that, you know, that for some reason the pin code doesn't get changed or even that one-time pin code. Like the Airbnb works. units that operate like that. Yeah, and so... You know, we kind of made a conscious decision uh, to go this route. And, you know, we have folks that, you know, frankly, haven't wanted to use our platform because we didn't have an integration with a, a lock that has a pin code. Um, but we see this um, kind of Bluetooth credentialing as uh, a way to be a little bit more secure. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. And this actually translate, transitions into my next question pr- pretty easily here. So, you know, there's a the, the 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 software is kind of really what makes all this stuff that much smarter. But in order for the software to work, it depends on smart hardware. And there's a, a thousand and one different hardwares out there. And some of them are probably easier to work with than others. And some of them probably deliver, you know, greater impact and utility versus others. How do you work through all those variables to decide what features to focus on building first to make the experience of living smarter, safer, more efficient, all those things? Um, well, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a partnership mentality at first. And that partnership is with our, our owners, our, our developers um, of the apartment buildings that we're working with. What are the experiences? What are the um, living experiences that they're trying to provide? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of start to work backwards from there. Of, well, we need to be able to provide that. And that's, what, that's really where we started. And so we went out and, and have tried to find the best of breed um, hardware uh, partners and uh, integration partners that we can um, to be able to then build those experiences, build the automations to make all of those things happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the approach that we've taken. Um, it's really hard because all of these different things, um, they give you different controls, different accesses. Um, there's some open APIs. There's some that you have to work directly with the company you know, to, to get access to their APIs and all of these different things. Um, but then even like the different functions of the different locks, right? Or the different thermostats or whatever, they all have different nuances that, yeah, you, can, you might be able to turn your thermostat on um, but you might not get all the data and control back out of it, um, you know, because they don't have, they don't expose that part of the API. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as much as we want to be an open platform and we believe in being an open platform, the reality is is to create this is you have to really build an ecosystem, as kind of I was talking about before, and and go deep with with one or two partners in each kind of category, category, excuse me, that you're um, uh, integrated with. Um, and that's really the approach we've been taking. And, you know, the other piece of this is the smart home or the kind of this whole smart building, smart home approach. It's always been focused that, well, we're going into a single family home and therefore like there's an owner and maybe a family or, you know, the owner is the, uh, the family and the admin and all these different things. But in a multifamily, there's a lot of different users, you know, the, the owner is the person that actually owns the building and the, the resident is technically the admin for 12 months, but they need to get wiped yep. after a while. But what happens if the maintenance guy's in there checking things? He needs to be able to have you know, access while he's working. It's just all these different considerations. And you know, the smart home is still new. It's still very early. And you, you got to think about all these different permissions and user uh, types and different, different use cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right. I mean, the, the gap is going to be... Well, to some degree, while the gap closes, it'll also get bigger between, you know, uh, probably generational gap is going to be, plays into that. Uh, I think you got the gap, but, and just, I think it's going to change how properties are managed as well. 
Yeah. Um, so not just on not just the integration side, but then you know who's using these things. That, you know, I can tell you the building that uh, that we ended up finding a condo to rent probably won't be a customer anytime soon. <laughs> they were sending me PDFs mm-hmm. to to, to to sign. I'm like, you guys, where, where's your where's your dot loop? Where's your Verisign right. or some sort? Like, what are you doing? What is this? Uh, I, we totally agree with that, and. Um, you know, I think there is, for as many as there are, they're just like that. There are uh, a lot of very innovative um, and very forward thinking real estate developers uh, that are really taking the next step of how we're going to live in the future too. So it's yeah. interesting to see kind of the barbell here as we've been entering the market um, and growing is you've got some that are like, wow, that we didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, and then you've got these that are, you know, barely, barely moving into digital payments. Um, yeah. You know, I think what's going to happen here, here's a, I'll give a prediction. Here's a rare prediction that I give out in the show. I think what's going to happen is the buildings that the figure out the right balance and they really truly embrace the amenities uh, because this, you know, the amenities give people back their time and, I, and that's what is so valuable is to get back your time. So yeah, on a lot of things, time, is, time is an amenity. I mean, that's it kinda, is. It's like a paradox. Well, I mean, right. and it's limited. It's finite. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you're not going to get it back. Right. So I talk about, uh, I talk about this a lot. I think the future uh, is definitely going to be about time arbitrage. Um, you know, uh, people being people are really waking up to what their time is worth. Um, yep. And I think that. Uh, you know, if you if your podcast listener Naval was just on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about this as well, and he was uh, just saying how you know people need to think about their time as like worth a thousand dollars an hour. Now, if you get that or not, it's up to you. Um, right. But if you're, you know, if you're wanting to, all of us being knowledge workers these days too, you know, this weekend if I need to recharge my batteries by just hanging out with you know my family instead of cleaning my house. Well, if my time's worth a thousand dollars an hour, and I can get my my house clean for a hundred bucks, man, I should really think about doing that. Yeah, and, yeah. And because I live in an apartment that enable with smart locks and all these other things, and enables that to happen, um, I don't even have to be there to let her in, um, yeah. or or the guy in, or whatever to to be there. So, wow, that's really powerful, right? I, I didn't just save an hour; I just saved two hours because I didn't have to be there thirty minutes ahead of time and. Yeah, you know whatever they left. Um, yeah, and, and I think if we create these experiences, that's going to be the valuable thing. And, and I think what what will happen is this will you know, the buildings that do this well, or even garden communities. I think this could work really well for garden communities. Is I totally agree. and uh, you know the, those will be the ones that are able to push their rents just a little bit higher. It's not they, whether they have granite countertop or not. You know, whether they have big kitchens or small kitchens, whether they have a stack washer dryer or shared washing services on, on site, you know, I, I think that these will be the ones that, and th- those are just like pet peeves of mine, like things I want. Uh, mm-hmm. I think these will be the, these buildings will see greater rents. And then at, that we all know what that means. Then your, your higher rents, these are, you know, services that are kind of baked into your operations costs. So you have better margins already. You're running more efficiently. You're running leaner. You're, you're going to have better spreads. And so whether you, you're refining, cashing out, whether you're looking to sell and, and, and move up, you know, whatever the play is, you're going to get a better return. And I, I think of it like, you know, the way we work has reimagined office space. And now what they're yes, dubbing exactly. is the WeWork effect on office buildings You'll have an interest. I think we'll have an interesting it's effect happening. on apartment buildings and garden style buildings, just the same. It's happening. It's coming, um, and and I totally agree. And we look at it kind of and say this a little tongue in cheek. If you start providing all of these services, um, you know, you're all these things are like all the things you hate about adulting, right? Like, <laughs> man, I got one extra bill. I've got to do my you know my my laundry. I've got to do all these extra things. But man, if I could find a place that I could just yeah. move in and does it for me. Like I'm probably going to stay there a couple of years unless a life event happens yeah, um, yeah. to me. I've got to move away because I don't want to have to figure out how do I become adult, uh, you know, an adult again and, and 
set up all these other bills again and do all this. I just want to, I want to live, you know, I want to, I want to rent where I live and own where I vacation. You know, I think yeah. that is a lot of the, the young professionals that or our, our age groups that are growing up as, as executives that are really coming, you know, uh, to view it that way. Yeah. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll leave this point, uh, or I'll end this with the, this one, uh, anecdote. I saw an ad, I think it was a billboard. I'm pretty sure it was a financial advisor or investment fund company. And it said something along the lines of, uh, you know, they say millennials don't want to work. And then it said, prove them right. And it was for retirement, you know, building and and planning your retirement. I was like, okay, you know, you won't find me putting my money there, but I dig it. Uh, I I like the message there. Okay. So I want to shift here. Um, I'm interested in, are you seeing any particular cities or geographic areas? And I'm especially interested in Kansas City because while Kansas City has been building its tech reputation, it's not known necessarily. You don't think Kansas, when you hear the word tech, you know, no, no, no offense. Not usually. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, like. A lot of flyover country sometimes. <laughs> Are you seeing any particular geographic areas adopting this type of approach and mindset more so than others? Um, you know, we get, the, the answer is no. I think it's happening up really kind of everywhere. Everywhere that there is um, high job growth, uh, wherever there's high job growth, there is uh, both a problem and a housing boom, um, except for San Francisco, I think. But um you know, there is, it's happening everywhere. Smart technology is going to grow everywhere. What's been most surprising to us, uh, so much of our inbound um, is international. Um, Asia, Canada, um, a lot of the, a lot of these international markets are hyper interested in kind of what have you, it's like leapfrogging where they're currently at um, and really building a lot of new housing that is just, the yeah. next cutting edge thing and leapfrog new way of, of, of doing it. And so we have a lot of international um, interest and things that we're Fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like what you guys have put together, it doesn't really matter geographic boundary because if it's got doors and internet, if it has lights, if it requires communication, it works. Pretty much. I mean, the only considerations are how much does a bandwidth cost get into the building? Um, and you know, the, the payment, uh, platform, those yeah. are really the only things we consider. Got it. Well, what's, what, what's been helping drive some of that growth and, and attention? I mean, obviously, you know, you guys are doing some of your own marketing. I, I love the strategy a bit on the podcast. I, I get podcasting strategies. There's a lot of different ways you can leverage that to get in front of potential partners or, you know, uh, uh, people who, who adopt your vision and, and share that for you uh, as well. But what's, what would you say has been one of your key drivers of growth? Um, one of our key drivers in, in growth, I think, is just our value prop. Um, and not only do we have this platform that can help make you money and connect with the things, um, it, we're, you know, we're the, one of the only ones that are pulling all these th- different things together. Um, so, so I think it's the value prop there. But I think um, the other piece of what, what it is, is kind of our customer uh, support team, as well as kind of our just partnership approach. You know, it, uh, I, I, I don't mean it in the, um, in a way that uh, excludes anybody, but home base isn't for everybody, right? Um, and so we work with our partners and go very, very deep with our partners to help develop these new solutions um, and just unique experiences. And that requires a lot of hands-on support, you know, things that some people would say, oh, well, that doesn't scale. Um, and you're like, well... You know, it, it does scale in the long run because you know you do things that don't scale until it does, uh, until it needs to, yep. and you figure those yep. things out. And right now, a lot of that is just being very hands-on with our partners um, and and helping their them grow their portfolios. And mm-hmm. as we do that, we're going to be successful. I love it. What's one thing that you guys have tried over the years uh, that you know uh, that maybe didn't work or you you had to pivot away from? So it's really what led us into doing Wi-Fi is we started, we went to market originally with um, a cellular gateway and just, we really 
we didn't see up for it scaling in a big way. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I call it an evolution. It's definitely a pivot from how we went to market, but um, it, evolving to the Wi-Fi as, in, as the infrastructure that connects all the different things and provides that um, was definitely a, a, a pivot for us. I think the other thing was deciding not to support all different types of locks and just go really deep with one because you know those two things are really our our view is the foundation of a smart building um, of the, the connectivity and the locks and then everything else from there is just kind of the add-on. Yeah, and that's with Schlage, right? That's with Schlage, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're good locks. I remember when I worked for a home builder on the East Coast, um, I, my responsibility was uh, we we use Schlage for everything, but we would always rekey our. Uh, our sample homes and trailers. And that was my job was to go get the locks rekeyed. And so oh, I remember boy. the first time someone pronounced Schlage for me, I was like, Oh, thank God. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. read this. What is this? Um, but they're good. Yeah, locks. I hear schlag on that. Yeah. 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 But that's all we used. And, and we were doing, uh, well, when I started with them, we were doing almost, we were doing a few hundred homes a year in delivery. Wow. We like for everything. So, yeah. Well, let's, uh, they've been, they've been incredible partners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've been around for a long time. They, they're a trusted name. It's obvious uh, why you'd, you'd want to go with someone like Schlage. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. I want to talk about something because not that you guys haven't, I want to talk about fundraising for a minute. Cause you guys have done a little bit of fundraising, but yeah. comparatively speaking, you've only done a little bit of fundraising to a lot right. of other companies in space. So let me start with that. Why, why are you out there chasing down the millions of dollars that are waiting for all the companies in real estate tech? Um, you know, we've, we have great partners um, you know, behind us and are supporting us. Um, we've also been generating revenue. Um, so we've been able to kind of you know, build a strong foundation there. It's not to say that we're not going to raise uh, you know, some money here soon. Um, but we've really focused on building a really strong foundation before, um, you know, trying to pour gasoline on the fire. Um, yeah. now with that said, um, you know, it's not that I don't want to quote unquote own the market, but I don't think that this market is, is winnable. And I think that there is, um, a lot of approaches out there that's kind of the standard VC approach or VC invested approach where we're going to go pour, you know, spend a bunch of money and try to win and own the market. And this isn't a market that's winning winnable or in our opinion. Um, mm. Not that we don't want to have as big a market share as we possibly can, um, but we're just trying to be very pragmatic about that. And so uh, be very responsible and, and capital efficient in how we build the company. And, um, you know, we're in this for the, for the long haul. Uh, mm. And so if we, if we take that, uh, you know, if we take $20 million and go try to spend it, that's not going to build a sustainable company. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, I mean, you, you'll have uh, you'll have to find some uh, Internet of Things tech to help put you to sleep at night from all the stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we're just, we we we're gonna be we plan to be around for a long time. We plan, yeah. um, you know, to be great partners with with our development partners, but we've also got a strong ecosystem of of supporters behind us as well. Um, so, you know, don't take our uh, uh, the amount that we've raised for the strength of our company. Very cool. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean that as a dig as, Hey, why haven't you raised any sure. money? I mean, you've raised more than I am proud of it actually. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think that it's, it's a, it's a little bit of an anomaly, uh, in the industry. And, um, you know, I think that there's something to be said. I, I appreciate the fact that you point out you're generating revenue. Um, you're mm-hmm. looking to, to build it in a sustainable fashion. And let's be honest, there's how many apartment buildings in the United States that don't yet have anything remotely close to oh, yeah. anything smart. It's not that the market opportunity is small. No, and no, and I don't take anything away. And I don't take anything away from any of our competitors. There's a lot of really smart people that are attacking um, kind of the, the smart building, you know, smart home for apartment approach. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, frankly, there's, like I said, a lot of great smart people working on it. We're creating an industry. We're creating something that's brand new. Yep. Um, that's going to change how buildings are managed and it's going to yeah. change how we live in it. And, you know, there shouldn't be just one company. There should be a lot of different people taking a lot of approaches and it's going to challenge all of us to, you know, do all the right things. And that's not just, 
you know, um, doing the right thing by our customer, but it's doing the right thing by the end user as well and thinking about privacy and thinking about data and helping to create standards and, and things that all of us can, um, you know, help for the, for the whole um, yeah, community. Very awesome. Well, hey, we're going to transition the show here. We're getting towards the bottom of the show. And I'd like to start a game called For the Future. So For the Future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Blake, are you ready to play? Let's play. All right, let's do it. Question number one, what does home base look like one year from now? You know, I think uh, we're going to be bigger. We're going to be in um, probably 10 states. Uh, we're going to have probably 30 to 40 people on our team and, um, you know, really be executing at a high level. And I'm excited for that. Awesome. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? Ooh, housing market in terms of like the whole market or residential or formal. oh, this is intentionally ambiguously asked so that you'll answer it with your lens. I'm with it. Okay, um, I think we're still going to be arguing about how do we get more affordable housing. I mm-hmm. think we're still going to be arguing um, about how to fund more affordable housing. I think there's going to be probably even more NIMBYs saying, I don't want that. Yes, I want affordable housing, but I don't want it here. Uh, and that's going to continue to create the issues and problems that we have. Um, yeah. And so unfortunately, that's not a very optimistic outlook, but I think that those are some of the big issues that are, that are really going to be talked about over the next year or so. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think I think it's an important thing to be to be talked about because we can keep building market rate and all this luxury housing, um, but if we're going to do that, we need to build a ton of it and a, like build it as fast as we possibly can, so that the stuff that's being built to ages down to affordable housing. Um, but you know, I, I don't know what the the real answer is. It's just we can't do nothing. You're so right on something here. And this is one thing I'll touch on this and we'll get back to the predictions, but people don't realize that yesterday's luxury is today's entry level. And we went for a very extended period of time where new build lagged tremendously, which meant that yesterday's luxury was rehabbed, was worked on, was improved which came up in value. So unfortunately, there's not much left at the bottom end except for the stuff that really takes some special skill and it's overpriced to begin with. So mm-hmm. yes, we are, um, we're at a really significant crossroads of about affordability. Um, I care about this well, a lot. It's, it's a really big issue. I, I totally agree. You know, we, we want to figure out, and, you know, obviously home bases enter the market kind of at the top end of the types of properties we work with. Um, at least today, but we want to figure out and we want to get this data so we can figure out how do we bring it down market as fast as we possibly can. How do we take all this technology that seems really expensive and seems like a luxury, but how do we use it kind of like Uber totally changed the trans- Uber and Lyft and, and all these totally changed transportation. You started as a black car service and you, it democratized transportation for everybody. How do we do the same thing for here? And yeah. I, I'm with you. I tend to believe that the because of construction costs, because of skilled labor, the lack of skilled labor that we have and all these... Tremendous lack of it, by the way. Tremendous lack. And it's, and, you know, the, the worst thing is it's going to get worse. You know, more pe- people aren't going into it and we're doing, you know... If I totally fail at this marketing and podcasting thing, I'm going to become a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> it's very valuable. And I think it's going to become more valuable, right? Yeah. Um, but with all those trends and all those things, you know, I come from the belief that we need to build as much rate as possible because it will come back down. It will make all the other affordable there. And that market rate's the only yeah. thing that you can actually afford and make money off of. You want real estate developers to keep building. Well, it makes sense why they don't build affordable housing. They don't get as high as returns. And most real estate developers are like a lot of venture capitalists. as good as your last investment. And so if your last investment was only a, was a eight cap, but you're usually, you know, your competitor, your guy that you're trying to, you know, raise money against is getting a five. Like, well, what do you think you're going to get? Um, yeah. You're going to get yeah. more market rate. Well, let's fund more of that. Let's get more of it. Let's try to be strategic about it. Um, and hopefully that creates a lot more of entry level, as you said, affordable housing. And then that brings everything else down. 
yeah. a little bit yeah. further too. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I don't have, I, I don't know what the answer is, but the more I try to research this and learn it, like that seems like the most pragmatic way to go about this um, because changing policies and changing, you know, regulation and all those things are just a whole other issue in and of itself. If you want to get political, I am not going to stop you. This is no holds bar. You go for it, man. You, you just, you jump off that one there. All right. Yeah. Uh, question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but wish would go away? Ooh. Um, you know, I think it's co-living and I think it's just like oh. the hippie thing. Uh, the hippy dippy version of it. I think some amazing co-living, or maybe that's the word of co-living. I think is what uh, is what I wish. Would now go I away. just saw the Cretech said, or wasn't a Cretech that just said that co-living is is going nowhere. So I think in that traditional sense of what I'm trying to say. So if you look at, and I uh, I had uh, John um, from Star City on my podcast, Future Living. I think what they're doing is the future. Okay, um, they're starting to get a little bit away from the words co-living too. Um, but what I think they it's, calling it's, it? um, they they have like just different ways of explaining it. And they're, the building is they have some levels that are just true traditional co-living, but they have other. Uh, more traditional living spaces and flexible spaces. And I think that's really going to be um, some of the future there. But Mm, I I, I think the way I view it is probably more cynical of people hopping in the game because they see the word co-living and they want to try to capitalize on it. Basically, uncreative real estate owners. Uh, I see, I see. So like, you know, okay. So like instead of renting a two-bedroom apartment for $1,000, you know, someone sees co-living as a trend. And so they try rent the bedrooms each for 600. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And you no, know, it's, it's the same thing that, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of commercial real estate owners will just say, Oh yeah, we're a co-working space now. Well, you're like, well, you know, there are different flavors of that. Um, you know, putting a I've desk out. Uh, I've been to co-working spaces that are just kind of, uh, well, we had extra space, so it's now a co-working space. And then I've, uh, you know, I, I have a WeWork membership, uh, mm-hmm. and it's not remotely the same in the slightest bit at all. <laughs> no, it's not the same. And but generally, the ones that are just like, oh, the extra space, they're trying to treat it and sell it like it is. And you're like, well, I'm not, like, I'm only willing to pay eighty nine dollars a square foot because of all of these other amenities. Like, I know what I'm yeah, getting yeah. over here, not yep. just. Uh, have a flexible lease. Yeah. My office, you know, I, I was looking at some co-working space here in town and it was a hundred dollar difference for me to have my own office. Yes. In an older office building in a upstairs unit that had angled ceilings, but I just needed a quiet space. I needed my own space and I wanted internet included. I didn't want to be locked in for 12 months. You know, I wanted a gross lease. And so what they were trying to show me was like, we'll have weekly guests come in and, you know, some, uh, Nespresso or not even Nespresso. What's those, what's a, the Keurig, the Keurig coffee wasn't even good coffee. I want some single origin fair trade. Okay. If, and if I liked avocado, I want avocado toast on Fridays, you know, but they could, they didn't even have that. So I went with the the boring old office because it just made more sense and it cost me more, but it was made more sense. All right. Last one here. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Parking garages. Ooh. Will they be the new landing pads for uh, self-service helicopters? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I will see. I I think we're going to have to really figure out some interesting adaptive reuses for parking and parking garages through cities as more autonomy comes uh, with, with vehicles, but also better public transportation, better last mile solutions. Um, You know, I think I've talked about this on my podcast a lot, like in Denver, they've, they've implemented some ordinances to make you not create, um, garages that have any incline, you know, so they be adaptively reused in the future. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and there's other places that are doing that, but you know, the parking spaces are really expensive, especially in urban environments. They take up incredibly valuable land. Um, yeah. And, you know, how do we reuse these things? And I, and um, you know, overall, how do we have, how do we encourage less car ownership inside of a city? 
I think we're selling our car for Chicago. We're also, we're I'm not going to pay four, that monthly I'm fee. Four and a half, it. I'm <laughs> four and a half years uh, car free. Wow. That, um, yeah, and in Kansas City, so a lot of people are like, "Wow, how did you do that?" What, what do you use to get a car on demand? Uh, Uber and Lyft. Uh, do you use um, anything like a, a zip car or on the go or anything like that? Every once in a while, I use a car uh, car to go. Um, okay. We've got uh, them here in Kansas City. Um, you know, they're, uh, we've got probably 10 to 12 uh, car to go spaces down in Kansas, down here in Kansas City. So we've had that for a while. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it, I, I've, I've been able to set up my life where I walk everywhere. You know, my office and, and my, my home are within a few blocks. So that's yep. definitely, you know, being able to have that choice is definitely a, a fortunate advantage. Um, but in doing so and building this company and, you know, back to how we raise so little money, my personal burn is very low, you know, I don't own a car. I don't, I don't spend all that extra money a month on a, on a vehicle that would sit idle doing nothing anyway. Yep. Um, and so, you know, th- those are things it's that have been 200 a month at starting price for a spot in Chicago. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. 20, 2,400 a year. <laughs> yeah. Plus your insurance. Insurance is going to go up in a city. There's no way around that. Absolutely. is going to, and you're not going to drive it as much. Nope. Nope. We're, we're, we're planning on doing uh, we'll we'll rent a car every other month and take a little road trip and just call that good. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I think that on demand access is, you know, part of the future. Yeah. Solid. We're going to move into the last three here. Blake, these are questions more about you. So our listeners cool. can know you better. Uh, the first one is, what are you reading? Oh, uh, I'm reading a lot of different stuff right now, but uh, I'm rereading uh, the High Growth Handbook by Eli Gill right now. Mm. Um, if you're a startup founder, uh, building a high growth company of any kind, it's, it's a collection of stories and interviews. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, it's really insightful, um, just from a founder's perspective and being able to see that, wow, like you're not, you're not in this alone. Other people have hit the same issues and problems and, and all of these, uh, aspects in terms of scaling a company. Um, but also it gives just good life perspective on how to manage people and, and work with people and, and all that different things. I've just really enjoyed it. So I'm rereading again. Very cool. That's the high growth manual. High growth handbook. It's by Elad yeah. There we go. E-L-A-A-D. Got it. Uh, question number two, who are you learning from? Who am I learning from? Man, my team every day. I learn from my customers every day. Um, I feel like I'm just on this hamster of learning. Um, you know, it's funny when you start a company, uh, people are usually looking to you or, or you're the CEO or whatever. People usually look, usually look to you, the answers. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you have them, but I've gotten to this point where, man, I'm so glad we have a great team because I'm looking to them for answers. I'm looking to our customers for answers um, and then turning around and figure out how do we, how do we fulfill that? How do we, how do we build solutions, create solutions? So I learned from everybody. Very cool. And then uh, the last one here, what inspires you? Uh, And there's a lot, um, but something that really inspires me is to be able to inspire other people. Um, I saw this like art that was like inspired to inspire and it's just a circle. Um, and I think that if you're doing things that inspire other people to do other things, um, that's really powerful and it's exponential. Um, and so I, you know, I constantly drive myself to go bigger ideas, bigger ambition and bigger everything, and then try to execute with that. I feel like it inspires other people to do it. And, and, um, you know, this so far in my career that that's, that's, you know, that's happened. I came up with the idea to take and help turn Kansas City into a smart city. And somehow that inspired people to do a bunch of other big, big things too. So, um, you know, that, I, that's I awesome. To inspire. That's very cool. Blake, I greatly appreciate your time um, and all the insight. I, I think what you guys are doing are, is pretty cool. Um, Hopefully, you know, one of these days, uh, I got to figure out, like, I got to call like all my different partners in the space right now and like, be like, Hey guys, like let's pull together, find that perfect building. Like, let me be the test case. You know, I want to, I want to experience living in a building where, where you guys are, are doing what you're doing. Um, before we go, I build the Jetsons, 
right? Like this. When, when do you we? Know when the Jetsons. The Jetsons there you go, man. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before we head out, uh, if people want to learn more about Homebase or if they want to connect to you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So we're on the web for Homebase, homebase.ai. Um, you can find us on the web. Uh, on all the social medias, Homebase AI or at Homebase AI. Excuse me. And um, for me personally, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at B, I'm B Mills, I M B M I L L S. Um, or find me on LinkedIn. Um, pretty easy to find online. There we go. Well, great, man. Appreciate it. Um, one of these days, I'm going to make the, the journey down to Kansas City again. Uh, it's we'll been go a on the barbecue tour. tour. Now, it's actually been a little bit less than a year since I drove through. We went through and got some donuts, but we didn't stick around very long. Uh, we just got back on the road. But uh, I do want to come through because I've been hearing good things about the city. And I know you guys have been going through your own little renaissance, uh, you know, resurgence. So, um, yeah, man, well, let's keep in touch and appreciate your time today. Appreciate yours. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.